Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. KK VU HD3 Stevensville and 102.9 FM on K275BS Missoula. It's time for Montana's only daily sports talk show. Nuanez Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! Well, holy cow, look at that. You leave for one week, all of a sudden you're a year older, and you got brand new intro music. Thanks so much to the boys in the back for that. Got a whole bunch of new stuff going on here at Nuanas now. Welcome back in. Hope you didn't miss me too much. I was on the road all last week. We'll get to that here in just a minute. I was on a road trip to a bunch of places that I don't think most people would probably go. But well, that's not true. I mean, some of them are kind of destination spots. But regardless, had a great time away. I hope everybody else had a great first week of May. I had my birthday last Wednesday. We had a nice birthday party for me here at Missoula Broadcasting today. So thanks to Lizzie for putting that together and everybody for showing up. When you say you're having sandwiches, everybody seems to stop on by. So pretty much everybody at Missoula Broadcasting was able to swing on by for my birthday. So that was uh, much appreciated. It made me feel very loved and appreciated around here. So uh, 
all good in the in uh, the world of Coulter Nuanas. I am Coulter Nuanas, and we have a lot to get to in today's show. Got a lot to catch up on since I was gone all week last week. If you want to find the show anywhere besides where you're listening on the radio, which is 102.9 ESPN Missoula, or where you're watching on television, SWX Montana TV, you can find it streamed anywhere in the world. Nuanas now and ESPN Missoula, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. All you have to do is visit our station website, 1029ESPN.com, and click on Listen Live. You'll find the stream. If you want to give us a call or you want to shoot us a text, 361-3688. That's 406-361-3688. You're going to want to remember that today, tomorrow, and forevermore because we're going to get back into the swing of giving away all our great prizes. We're going to have a bunch to give away both tomorrow uh, and Wednesday, but we also have a, a big new prize coming up as well, which we'll get to here in just a minute, a big uh, Father's Day package for us. We're going to be doing about a month-long giveaway. But you're going to want to remember that number because you're going to have to send your submissions to me via text message. All I need is video evidence or photo evidence or whatever, some sort of evidence via a text message of you listening to Nuanas Now. So we'll get into that here in just a quick minute as well. And, of course, all guests join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. Let's take a sh- look at what we got in the show today. A lot to get to because I know it's been sort of weird. Montana is sort of insulated to this because college football is the biggest show in town in Montana. There's no question about it. Bobcats, Grizzlies, they rule the day. They rule the radio waves here in Missoula and around the state of Montana. It's all day, all the time. We're always talking college football here in Montana. Because the Grizz and the Cats did not participate in the FCS spring football season, I think in our neck of the woods, it's gotten a lot less play than maybe it's gotten nationally. Most of the FCS storylines have centered upon the NFL draft and Trey Lance, the quarterback from North Dakota State, not the actual play on the field. But here we are. The spring season has wound down. We've gotten through all of the playoffs. And Sunday, the FCS National Championship game, the first and only spring edition, will take place in Frisco, Texas. So we are kicking off a new series that we'll be doing for about the next week. I think we're probably going to get it all wrapped up before uh, Sunday. We're just going to make the rounds with all the beat writers from around the Big Sky Conference and on the national level as well who've been covering this stuff over the last couple months. I'm going to get Ryan Collingwood, our good buddy from the Spokesman Review, on to recap Eastern Washington. Probably give Brett Hine a call from down in Ogden, the Ogden Standard Examiner, to get his take on Weber State. Maybe a couple more as well. But today we're going to kick this thing off with two different uh, beat writers that we're going to make the rounds with. First, Sam Herter from Hero Sports. He covers the FCS on a national level. He's the FCS senior analyst for Hero Sports. So he'll give us all the insights about the way the playoffs have played out and some Big Sky perspective as well. If you haven't heard, there will be a new national champion in the FCS for the first time since that's not North Dakota State and not James Madison for the first time since 2010. So that's an amazing thing. Eastern Washington, the last time anybody besides North Dakota State, who has won eight of the last nine, and James Madison, who's the one winner in that mix, neither one in the national championship game. It will be top-seeded South Dakota State taking on number two, Sam Houston State. And so we will have a new and a first-time FCS National Championship because both those teams have been perennial powers over the last decade but have not reached the mountaintop yet. So Sam will swing by here in about five minutes to give us an update on all that. We're also going to catch up with Andrew Houghton. He used to work for me at SkylineSportsMT.com. He now is the beat writer for the uh, Idaho State Bengals for the Idaho State Journal. So he's got some perspective as well because I do think there were some winners and some losers when it comes to Big Sky Conference teams that participated in the spring season. Idaho State only won a couple of games. They did not make the playoffs, yet I still think they're a winner. So we'll get to that 
a little bit more uh, here around 4.30. We also got some of the best of the best in state track to go over. Some great marks. Noah Borchard from over in Huntley Project is just tearing it up right now. He is killing it at a variety of things. The 100 meters, the the 110 hurdles, the high jump, the long jump. He's dominating, and he had a dominant performance at the Midland Roundtable Top 10 meet while I was gone last week. So we'll give you some of the best of the best when it comes to track and field at the high school level around the state of Montana. And Sean Rainey is also going to swing by, give us some NFL draft coverage, and then we're going to get you caught up on all that was when I was gone, whether it was uh, college sports in the state of Montana, high school sports in the state of Montana, and even some national sports too. Anybody that follows this and knows me, and they know I'm a big NBA fan, because of just the atypical nature of this last year or so, the calendar hasn't had as much rhythm as it usually does. And I usually start getting in the NBA right around the All-Star break, but the All-Star break was at a different time, and then all of a sudden we've been consumed by spring football in Montana, even though it wasn't part of the championship portion of the season. So here and over there, I have not dove into the NBA nearly like I usually do this time of year. So we're going to start doing it. There's only a week left of the regular season. We're going to be talking a ton of NBA as we get into the playoffs. Uh, so we'll get back around to all that stuff to take you around the wide world of sports around 5.30. But my journalism professors at the University of Montana would be very angry with me because I buried the lead. I told you all the things we're going to talk about when I should tell you about all the things that we need to talk about. The number one thing we need to talk about, you heard the the new intro. We got all sorts of new rebranding here at Nuanas now, as well as across the station at 1029 ESPN Missoula. And that's because the one and only Tommy Evans is sitting back in the chair. We got the studio set up, so he's actually sitting behind me. So I, I could stand up and look at him, but I'm not going to. Maybe we should change this up <laughs> just a little bit. Maybe we should, so we can look into each other's eyes longingly. <laughs> or maybe I could just maybe I could just not be lazy and just turn around and talk to you. Colter, if there's one thing I don't want to do, it's look at you. That's the truth. And now I'm stuck doing it again for two hours a day. <laughs> People say, you, oh, you have a great job. No, it is basically a prison <laughs> sentence for me. <laughs> well, Tommy has been doing all sorts of stuff here at Missoula Broadcasting Company. He, you, You've probably been missing him on the trail like you're used to hearing him a lot. He's still on the trail every Tuesday from 6 to 7, the new show. So be sure to check that out, 103.3 FM uh, in Missoula. But Tommy's been doing all sorts of stuff. For those that don't know, you probably have been able to gauge a little bit. We wear a lot of hats here at Missoula Broadcasting Company. Everybody here has a lot of jobs, and uh, that's local media in a nutshell. It's a great thing here because we have a lot of flexibility in doing it, but also sometimes when your highest priority in your job uh, takes precedent, it's hard to do anything else. And Tommy's been working on a lot of the tech stuff when it comes to our receivers and our satellites and all that stuff. So Reese has been helping out in the back. We're doing a little switch now where Reese is still going to do a lot of the production stuff and still operate the podcast and maybe even sit in the chair and DJ for us from time to time. But Tommy's going to be back in as the full-time producer starting today. And uh, I must say, my man, I'm very excited to have you. You're one of the best parts about this show, and now you're back in the saddle. It seems that you've really taken this show away from uh, just a two-hour joke to a true sports show. <laughs> so so I don't know get back. <laughs> I don't know what your audience expects or does not expect. 
But I have a plethora of stories to fill you in on from the last time I was actually oh, on man. your show. Yeah, I mean, last time we were here, you were, I can't remember if it was the time when you almost burned down your house <laughs> or if it was the time that you killed your uh, friend's dog that you were house-sitting. So, I did not have anything to do with the death of that dog other than I was present, okay? That's right. That dog was going to die anyways. We shouldn't laugh because we actually got a lot of negative feedback about laughing over the dog dying. I shouldn't laugh. It was a terrible situation. And and what I'm here to tell you, Coulter, is that I've got stories to share with you, some of which are far less morbid. Others are questionable for what the FCC would allow on the radio. But as you go forward here, I'm going to interject and fill you and your listeners in on some fun things. So, you know, if there's some kind of thing you want to know about, hit us up, 361-3688. Let's get the weird stories out back on this show. What's the weirdest story you got going on right now? Well, I can't take 20 minutes to tell it to you right now because you do this thing where you say, well, tell me what it is. And then four or five minutes in, you go, all right, we're just going to come back to this later. So, so look. That's true. When you need a cup of coffee, okay, lotus, yeah. uh, uh, orange, whatever kind of weird stuff you're drinking, flowery, <laughs> let me turn the mic on, and I'll fill you in. Can't wait. Okay. This is going to be great to have Tommy back. This is going to be an even bigger boost to ESPN Missoula, as well as our good partners at SWX Montana Television. So I hope everybody enjoys it. No time for that, though. Got to get out. Not out. We got to get to our good buddy, Sam Herter, good friend of the show. Well, happy now to kick off a new series here on Nuanez Now. We're going to be talking to beat writers from across the FCS, specifically the Big Sky Conference. But we're going to start with the guy who covers the entire FCS, a good friend of the show, Sam Herter. He works for Hero Sports, giving you all the best national FCS coverage from coast to coast. And Sam, I know we've tacked a couple times throughout the spring, but now it's really down to a end of the playoffs. So how you doing, buddy? How's things going? Yeah, I'm, do, I'm doing good. I appreciate you having me on. It's been quite the, the roller coaster ride <laughs> this spring season. Uh, but it started, obviously, and it's going to finish. Uh, you know, regular season, the FCS was able to get 80% of its games played. Uh, no playoff games were canceled due to COVID. Um, and so, you know, we, we made it through. I think that was really the only goal for the FCS was to just roll with the punches and at the end of it, crown a national champion. And on, on Sunday, uh, we'll get to see who that champion will be. And it, it'll be a new champion, too, in the FCS, which is exciting. We're going to get to that for sure because it's an interesting dynamic, the fact that both South Dakota State and Sam Houston State have a chance to win a national championship with NDSU finally out of the way for the first time since we were young men. Uh, but regardless, we'll get to that in a minute. But, Sam, I know that you have been really good about covering not only the, the, the action, the, the games that have been going on and the performances, the awards, but also just sort of the state of affairs across the country. And I know you have been tweeting – pretty consistently that you thought that the playoffs we would get to the playoffs and that, that we would have the playoffs and that the playoffs would be a successful venture and now here we are and it has been and so i know out in our neck of the woods in montana and especially in big sky country there's a lot of apprehension about it obviously the montana schools opted out as did three other big sky conference schools and then when cal poly pulled the plug people are kind of thinking well is anybody from the big sky actually even going to make it down the pipe but we made it to this point. So, I mean, what do you think have been the factors? Because you have seemed to be optimistic that we would make it to this point pretty much throughout this entire ordeal. Yeah, you know, I, there was that, like, a three-week stretch late March into early April where uh, that narrative started to come up with a lot of fans and some media members about, 
you know, at any point the FCS season, the, the plug is going to get pulled. Or, you know, I heard a, I heard a lot of, it feels like this FCS season is kind of just circling the drain and, you know, we're just, it's, it's on its last, it's on it's on its last legs and you know about the the plug will be pulled pretty soon uh but that you know mindset that storyline was only with fans and media you know i asked you know a different commissioner each of those uh, a different conference commissioner each of those weeks if there was any concern at all or any discussion about whether the fcs season should proceed and every time they said nope zero concern everything that's happening you know it isn't ideal, but it's what we expected. You know, the, the FCS expected to have cancellations. The FCS expected to have midseason opt-outs. And so there was nothing really that happened during the regular season that, that put the playoffs in jeopardy. I, I will say, though, during those three weeks, I think the reason why a lot of people got concerned, I guess, was you had James Madison, you had South Dakota State, you had North Dakota State, and you had North Dakota you know, four teams ranked in the top six, they went, you know, two, three weeks without playing games just because COVID hit them, you know, all at the same time. But if you look at things from a national perspective, I mean, the Southland didn't have one game canceled or postponed all season. And so while people up north were kind of wondering if the season was going to continue, you had fans from the OBC and the Southland going, wait, why would they cancel the season? I mean, things are fine down here. So uh, kind of the, the big picture view, I guess, is the FCS season was – it was messy, but it, prob- it probably wasn't as messy as maybe some people in, in regions of the country thought it was. <laughs> That's the most fascinating part about this. And as always on Nuanas, now we try our absolute best to not talk about all the uh, the different layers of COVID, especially when it comes to uh, the political aspect of it. But Sam Herder joining us, Rangish Brothers RV phone line. He is the uh, senior football analyst on FCS football for Hero Sports. And one more question before we kind of get into how these playoffs have played out, which kind of leads me into my first playoff question, is how would you evaluate, Sam, just the level of play so far during spring? Because I found myself watching the big sky and thinking to myself, this level of play is not as high as I'm used to. But then I had to take a step back and realize if you were really projecting who I think the top teams in the big sky in the upcoming fall are going to be, I think that Montana, Montana State, Portland State, Sac State all have a chance to be in the top half of the league. So that automatically makes the level of play go down a little bit just because some of your best teams aren't there. But then I watched a couple Missouri Valley games and I thought, oh, the level of play looks exactly on par with what I think it should look like. So you've watched teams from around the country overall. What's the level of play in the FCS been like? I do think it's down a little bit. And a lot of that isn't you know the fault of, of the teams really because – we, you had, uh, I think there were about eight uh, players that decided not to play the spring season and declare for the NFL draft, and so that obviously hurts. Uh, with the uncertainty of whether the fall season was going to happen or you know playing in the spring and what that meant for eligibility, there were uh, about 100 FCS players that transferred to the FBS for the 2020 fall season, and there's been another 75 FCS players that have transferred to the FBS for the upcoming 2021 season. And, you know, not all those guys were all Americans, but, you know, some of them were, were all Americans and all conference type players. And so you take that in, in, into consideration and the overall talent level was down a little bit. You also had 
you know, kind of just the weird, like take Weber State, for example. I thought Weber State looked really, really good against, uh, I believe it was Idaho State uh, in their in their opening game. Uh, but then their next week's game uh, got canceled, and then they played again, and then I think it was another week off. And so there was just kind of the starts and stops. And so you didn't really see a lot of these teams get into the flow of things. And so, yeah, I, I do think, you know, maybe the the overall you know, talent level is down a little bit. At the same time, I do think that sets us up for a really good upcoming fall season and beyond because you look at some of these teams, I mean, there's a lot of freshman quarterbacks out there that are playing, and not only playing, but playing really, really well. Uh, a lot of freshmen and sophomore offensive linemen are playing, and they're playing well. And and so while you look at maybe the, the playoff bracket and it's maybe not as talented or as good or as um, you know, on par compared to a normal 2020 uh, fall bracket, which would have, you know, like, you know, Trey Lance and Smart Touré and, and Bill Reed and, and all those guys. So it is down, but at the same time, a lot of young players uh, are getting valuable playing time, and these guys are going to be really good for years. Catching up with the beat writers around the FCS and the Big Sky Conference here on Nuanas Now. It's Sam Herder joining us on the Rangets Brothers RV phone line to get our week kicked off strong if you haven't been following the fcs playoffs it's into the championship round south dakota state and sam houston state will play for the fcs national championship spring version on sunday and sam before we get there though i want to talk about the way the playoffs have proceeded a little bit i know that again from the big sky conference angle there was a little bit of uh hollering about the fact that we were staying undefeated and they did not get us playoff seed i know there was four less seeds than usual uh, because of just a 16-team bracket instead of a 24-team bracket. But then in the first round of the playoffs, Eastern Washington uh, and Weber State both go one and done. So just your evaluation of the Big Sky Conference leading into the playoffs and, and then in the playoffs with neither team really having uh, much of a showing. Yeah, you know, I, I think if you're the Big Sky, you, you obviously have to be disappointed going 0-2 in the, in, in the first round there. Uh, you know, Eastern Washington, uh, they were pretty depleted defensively, um, but still, I mean, they, they got ran over by uh, NDSU, and for a little bit there we thought maybe that meant the Bison were back, uh, but then obviously the Bison lost the following week uh, to Sam Houston. Uh, but, I mean, a lot of people, you know, honestly, in the Fargo media that never pick against NDSU picked Eastern Washington to win that game just with how the Bison looked the previous week and their loss to South Dakota State. So I think that was a... Uh, you know, a disappointing uh, for the big sky there. And then Weber State, I mean, they they ran into a bus, honestly, with Southern Illinois. I mean, SIU basically had a 0% chance to make the playoffs. They're sitting at 4-3. and three. Their last two opponents opted out of the season, and so they're just sitting there with a 4-3 and three record. Uh, their head coach, Nick Hill, put out a message, a graphic on social media, saying how disappointing he was that these other teams didn't make a commitment to finish their season, and and talked about how they want to play, and they played all their games, and they, uh, you know, they shoveled off their field, and they battled injuries and COVID, and they're still playing, and they were looking for a game in the final week of the regular season in southeastern Louisiana, uh, who Montana fans are familiar with. Southeastern Louisiana answered the call, played Southern Illinois in the final week of the regular season. SIU wins is the last team to get into the playoffs with a 5-3 and three record. And so they have all sorts of mojo, uh, and they go to Weber State to get a huge win there and then nearly knock off the number one seed South Dakota State in the quarterfinals. And so, I, you know, I thought Weber State should have been a seed. Um, I thought they had a chance to make a decent playoff run. 
but I think they just ran into a Salukis team that just had so much momentum and, and was coming in with so much swagger that they, you know, kind of ran into a bus out there. And since that opening round, then the the seeds have basically held, and now all of a sudden, now we do have number one versus number two. But this last weekend, the games were very, very uh, good. I know that it's sort of a statement by South Dakota State, and then an awesome comeback by Sam Houston State. So take us through th- th- these two games. Let's start with SDSU uh, that pulled out to a huge lead over Delaware and uh, kind of cruised from there after halftime. So what did you think of the Jackrabbits advancing in the national championship game? I, I do think South Dakota State proved that they are the, the most complete team in the FCS desert and certainly deserving of their number one seed. I, I thought this was going to be a really close game. Uh, I mean, Delaware, Delaware has some dudes. I mean, they, they have pretty good athletes, but they're a really physical bunch, you know, kind of have that East Coast mindset to them where, you know, they want to they line up and, and smack you in the mouth. Uh, but, I mean, South Dakota State did that uh, to them. They the, the offensive and defensive lines of South Dakota State really overwhelmed Delaware. Uh, you know, Delaware has a really good dual-threat quarterback in Nolan Henderson. He got uh, hurt. He hurt his knee, but he did come back, but he was hobbled. But, you know, e- even if he was 100% healthy, I still think South Dakota State was just too overwhelming for Delaware, especially in the trenches. Has that been something that's been building? Sam Herter, by the way, uh, FCS analyst for Hero Sports, joining us. Part of our the beginning, I guess, the kickoff of our catching up with beat writers around the FCS, specifically the Big Sky. We're talking all things FCS football right now here on Nuanez Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Is that a factor that you think it, uh, South Dakota State has been building? Because I think it's been so fascinating to watch South Dakota State and their chasing of North Dakota State and sort of the parallels of those two programs. And SDSU has had the formula to beat NDSU more than maybe anybody in the country. I believe that North Dakota State only has, not counting this spring season, like eight losses in the last nine years. Yet, I think half of those have come to South Dakota State. Uh, and they've done it in a, a interesting fashion by kind of trying to spread it out a little bit more. You know, Jake Weineke and Taryn Christian and those guys come to mind. But you just mentioned kind of the improvements on the front. So has that been a concerted effort by SDSU? And do you think it's kind of now coming to fruition and paying off this spring? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I was talking to uh, a Missouri Valley Football Conference assistant coach uh, a couple of years ago. I think it was in the 2019 season. Uh, and I asked him, I'm like, and I said, you know, what's holding South Dakota State back? I mean, what is one thing they need to do to fully reach NDSU's level? Uh, and that assistant coach said it, it's, it's the offensive line uh, because South Dakota State has always had the skill uh, offensively. Uh, their defense has always been, you know, anywhere from from pretty good to, to to really good, but it's always been that offensive line that, you know, has ranged from average to above average, sometimes pretty good, uh, but never really a good offensive line. And, and this year, I, I really do think they have the best offensive line uh, in the FCS. Uh, you know, they they proved that against North Dakota State in in the regular season finale where they just controlled. Uh, the line of scrimmage, uh, they proved that again uh, in the playoffs, especially against Delaware. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just a big, mean, physical offensive line. Uh, they have two really good running backs uh, running behind them. Uh, then Mark Gronowski is a true freshman quarterback. That that makes uh, that offense really ba- really balanced. But I do think the difference this year with, with South Dakota State is the offensive line. And Sam Houston State, they're Southland champions. They took the number two seed in the playoffs. And then they dug themselves a hole against James Madison, and it seemed like it was kind of over. I was following it on Twitter. I wasn't actually watching the game, but I was had my updates on. I had my alerts going and everything. 
And then all of a sudden, uh, you have a big kick return for a touchdown. It sort of swings the momentum. And uh, all of a sudden, a 24-3 James Madison lead turns into, uh, I believe, a a 31-27 Sam Houston lead. And Sam Houston goes on to win 38-35. And so I know that around here, around these parts in Montana, Sam Houston obviously a familiar opponent being a Southland team that's played both Montana, Montana State, and the non-conference many times. And also uh, during the beginning of the 2010s, sort of that number one contender to North Dakota State for several years, knocked the Cats out of the playoffs two years in a row, knocked the Grizz out of the playoffs back in 2011 as well. Uh, But it seems like this is uh, some similar elements to that team, but uh, maybe a new-look Bearcats team as well. So where have you seen Sam Houston State change, and how exciting was that game just watching them come all the way back? Yeah, the, the game was a blast to watch, and it was, I mean, you look at the Sam Houston teams from 2014 to 2017, those were, you know, high-flying, high-scoring, no-defense-type teams that played really well and had great records in the regular season, but when it came time to playing a North Dakota State or a James Madison in the quarterfinals or the semifinals, they would lose 55 to seven or 62 to 10 one year. And so Sam Houston kind of built up that reputation of, yeah, they're good in the Southland, but you know, they're not close to being a tier one team. And Casey Keeler, their head coach realized that. And he basically did a makeover of how the team operates. I um, mean, they put more focus on being physical. They put more focus on playing defense. And during that transition after the 2017 season, you know, Sam Houston missed the playoffs in 2018, and they missed the playoffs again in 2019. And Sam Houston has a very passionate fan base, and they're getting a little impatient. Uh, but Casey Keeler basically preached patience that said, hey, you know, we're building a team to beat North Dakota State. We're building a team to beat James Madison. You know, we're going we're gonna to beef up our defensive lines. We're going to get different level athletes uh, who are more physical and more active and more disruptive. And, you know, that's obviously paid off to – uh, you know, it's paid off uh, and it's shown because they beat North Dakota State and James Madison in back-to-back weeks. And it was looking for a little bit like, because after after they beat North Dakota State, it was one of those things where, okay, that, that reputation for Sam Houston of, you know, getting blown out in the playoffs, that's now over. Well, then they were down 24-3 to at halftime and some of us were wondering, well, you know, maybe maybe this is still the Sam Houston team that, that gets blown out. Uh, but obviously, you know, they had, you know, you know, the ability to climb back and, and win that game. And so, yeah, Sam Houston has gained a ton of respect nationally. And it's not, uh, it's not those teams of the mid-2010s where, it, you know, it's all flash and, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're not a physical team. You know, they, they've proven they are a physical program now. Sam Herter joining us, senior FCS analyst for Hero Sports, covering all things football championship subdivision. Here on Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. And the SCS National Championship game, it is on the horizon coming up May 16th. That's a Sunday, so uh, it's not a misprint. It, they, they've been playing these playoff games the last couple weeks on Sunday, and it'll be on Sunday again in Frisco. And I know you're heading down, Sam. So before we get to the actual matchup between these two teams, i got to ask you about South Dakota State just in general, the arc of their program, because I think NDSU, or excuse me, SDSU is fascinating in the fact that they've only been Division One uh, for – less than 15 years. I guess this would be their 14th fall season coming up in 2021. And they've done such a great job of incrementally building it up. 
while still maybe not being the dominant team in their conference, but they've continued to knock on the door, continued to push North Dakota State and everybody else. And now here John Stigelmeyer has his team in the championship game. So they've been building for this moment for a long time, but what sort of affirmation would this be for SDSU? Because I think some people, maybe the haters would say, oh, it's just the spring season, but this has been a very legitimate year, and this will be a legitimate national championship run. So put this into perspective, just the fact they're even in the national championship game. Yeah, it's it's massive for uh, for the program, uh, and you mentioned it too. I do think this is uh, truly a legitimate national champion because you, you still. I, I know you know obviously the Montana Montana State schools are aren't in it, and they would have been top five teams. You know, had they played, I don't know if either team was ready to win a national championship just yet, but they they would have been factors. But but even so, I mean, you look at if you were to name. The, the top 10 blue blood programs in the FCS, I think eight of them uh, were in the playoffs. You know, South Dakota State, Sam Houston, James Madison, Jacksonville State, Weber State, Delaware, North Dakota State, Eastern Washington. All these teams made up a 16 team bracket where you have to win four games to, to win the championship. You know, it's not like it was a four team FBS style bracket. So I, I do think uh, it, it'll be a, a, a legitimate national championship. If South Coast State does win, I don't think there's going to be a long-term asterisk next to it. Uh, so this is a huge deal uh, for the program. And, you know, it, it was kind of a funny crossover in 2019 because two of my favorite stories I did, one was how the recruiting philosophy and also the upgrade in, in facilities helped South Coast State go from a top 10 to 15 FCS program to now a top three to five FCS program and uh, a person that helped, you know, raise those funds and kind of helped, uh, you know, help South Coast State get those facilities was Leon Costello, uh, who's obviously the, you know, as, as your listeners know, the Montana State Athletic Director. And my second favorite story I did that year was after going to Bozeman for the Brawl of the Wild and, and talking with Leon uh, and, and we talked about the new facility going up for Montana State and how that's going to be a game changer. And we've seen firsthand how much of a game changer that has been for South Dakota State, just having those shiny new facilities, being able to recruit the different level athletes because you can bring them to, you, you can bring them to campus and you, you don't have to avoid the locker room. You don't have to avoid, you know, the, the practice field where it's, you know, nothing great to, 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 to look at. Um, and so I think that has been a huge difference maker uh, for the Jackrabbits, and it's shown now that they have uh, just a different level of recruits on their roster now, and, and uh, you know, they've gotten deeper, too. And so, yeah, I, I do think this whole bill for South Dakota State uh, uh, is kind of coming to a head here with, with them making it to Frisco. Well, I'm sure you're very familiar with Frisco because of uh, the fact that you've kind of first started cutting your chops, covering North Dakota State, and then have been doing this for Hero Sports now for a handful of years and pretty much always going to Frisco no matter what. So what's your plans for Frisco? Do you have any go-to hot spots down there or any places you're excited to go check out? Yeah, so there is uh, there, there's a new, I think it, it was somewhat of a new uh, restaurant called 54th. Uh, I think it's 54th Street Tap House. That, that's close to the stadium. So I'm excited to get back there and um, and have their their French dip uh, sandwich. That's uh, <laughs> that that was uh, definitely excellent. But it seems like every year there, there's new things going up uh, in Frisco. It's one of the fastest growing cities in America. And and it's funny, you know, I've stayed at the same media hotel uh, now for I think this will be my seventh trip overall to Frisco. 
uh, but the media hotel is now on the opposite side of uh, of the stadium. Uh, they switched up the media hotels, and it's funny because that hotel and all the buildings around it weren't even there my first two trips to Frisco back in 2012 and 2013. It was just kind of a, an empty parking lot in a field, but now it's still, there's a couple of hotels there. There's some restaurants, apartment buildings, and so there's new stuff there's new stuff popping up every year in Frisco. And so um, I'm excited to get out and explore a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I know Texas is a hundred percent wide open. And so I'll do my best not to, you know, wander into too big a crowds uh, and, and try to stay safe that way, even though I, you know, I am fully vaccinated. So not too worried there, but yeah, it, it's going to be interesting uh, to cover this game in May uh, experience the Texas weather in May rather than in January, where it's usually only 40 or 50 degrees in Texas in January. Sam Herter, Hero Sports, joining us here on Nuana is now catching up with beat writers across the country, recapping the FCS spring season and maybe a little preview on the national championship game as well. So, Sam, instead of going into that, maybe we'll give you a call later on this week once you get settled in in Texas and then preview this game a little bit more. But for the meantime, thanks so much for joining us here on 1029 ESPN Missoula. Really appreciate it. I know our listeners do as well. And uh, safe travels on the way to Frisco, my man. All right. Thank you very much for having me back on. for later in the week when the septic doesn't even know that you're wrapping up the segment that you just did. But either way, Sam's always so great about coming on. You can follow him on Twitter to search Sam Herder. That's H-E-R-D-E-R, Hero Sports. He's the best at what he does covering the FCS on a national level. Tommy's first day back in the chair, and we're already at least six minutes late. He's going to kill me. We got to go. Andrew Houghton, Idaho State Journal. We continue our around the FCS Beat Riders series right after this, right here on Nuana's Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Welcome back. Listen to Nuanez now. I'm Coulter Nuanez. It's 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Statewide Television, SWX Montana TV. I just got back from a road trip. I made my way from Coeur d'Alene to Spokane to Ellensburg, Washington, down through the Columbia River Gorge, hit up Hood River, hit up White Salmon, Washington. Spent a little time in Portland. I made my way back. But it was pretty fun driving along the Columbia River Gorge, and I had to make a stop. I had to pull over into George, Utah, and go to the actual gorge. Because people that know, they know that I'm a, I'm a big Dave Matthews guy. I'm a big fan of the Dave Matthews band, particularly their live acts, particularly when they play at the Gorge. Grateful Dave, the uh, Labor Dave, the the Labor Day concert every week, every Labor Day weekend is is one of my highlights of the year. And I've been abstaining from all things DMB because uh, I knew there wasn't going to be a Dave last year. And uh, now maybe we will have one here in September, so we'll see. But thanks to Tommy for that good playback music. 
If you missed anything in the first segment, we launched a new series, and we will continue that series right now. We're going to catch up with beat writers from around the FCS as well as around the Big Sky Conference, recapping the spring football season. We heard from Sam Herter from Hero Sports to kick off the show. And now we go back to the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. Welcome in our good buddy, friend of the show, and uh, formerly of SkylineSportsMT.com, now of the Idaho State Journal, Andrew Houghton joins us. What's up, Houghton? How you living, my man? Good, man. How are you? Good, man. It's good to see you. Good to talk to you. I know we got to kick it a little bit in uh, Boise, but that was kind of a, a breakneck. So we'll start there because I, I, I had a, a moment where, uh, you know me, I'm, I love football, I love covering college football, I love Big Sky Conference football. But you and I were sitting there watching Montana State versus Southern Utah in the semifinals of the Big Sky Basketball Tournament. And I talked to you into staying because I was like, this is a really good game. It's going to keep going back and forth. And then it ended up going to overtime. And you were like, damn you, man. I can't believe you talked me into staying because I got to drive back to Pocatello because I got a football game. And all I kept thinking was, man, I miss football. And, man, I'm so glad I don't have to cover any football in March. But you did have to cover uh, a full slate of Idaho State football games. So what did you just think overall? Not necessarily about Idaho State and their performance, but just generally. What did you think of just the concept of the spring season, especially when it relates to the Big Sky? conference yeah it was it was a super weird experience um because you know i've been covering big stack football for a while now and i just have it set in my mind as this is something that happens in the fall and i'm set aside a couple months here and that's going to be my main focus but it couldn't be for us because we were doing you know basketball at the same time isu had every sport going you know i think as a one-off i think it was it went perfectly fine you know i didn't didn't have any issues i liked i think that you know the fcs was the only thing playing in the spring as far as college football goes um i just don't know that i would want to to do it again right absolutely and i think that that's kind of the main takeaway here is that good to get back on the field particularly good for the athletes i think so i think they're the ones that were suffering the most from just not having the the general routine that comes with just being a part of a team um, but also, I was talking to Sam Herter about this a little earlier on here at Nuanas now, and I thought early the Big Sky Conference action that I watched uh, was only slightly below what I would say was the the just the common standard level of play in the Big Sky, which I think is is good and amongst the best in the FCS. But as the season continued on, I thought it wasn't quite as good. I think there's a lot of factors that go into that whether it be injuries or a lack of passion because it's only a six-game season, so by the time you lost game number two, you pretty much knew you were out of the playoffs, or whether it was teams opting out. But then I found myself watching some Missouri Valley and some Southland games, and I thought that the level of play was closer to the, the par that I thought it would be at. Uh, but I also think that there was a certain element in this Big Sky season of the fact that you look at who the, some of the top teams in the league are going to be uh, in the fall. At Montana, Montana State, I think we'll both be right there. Sac State is the defending Big Sky Conference champs. They have some question marks, but they'll be right there too. And I think Portland State's going to be better than a lot of people think they're going to be. So there's four of at least, I'd say, conservatively, the top half of the league, at least on paper. So I think that probably impacted the quality of play as well. But in your mind, I mean, you got to watch a slate of Big Sky games that included watching Eastern Washington and Idaho and Weber State twice uh, covering the Bengals. So what did you think of just the overall quality of play? Yeah, I agree with you. I think that, um, you know, especially the teams dropping out, you know, when Cal Poly just drops out midseason, right, and it's not like Cal Poly was doing anything, but that just sort of contributes to the feel of, you know, 
this little bit of a junior varsity season, right, where you, we're coming in, we think that we're going to have this group of teams coming in, and then they drop out midseason, and it's just like, okay, we're not going to finish our schedule. It's hard to, you know, get motivated for a season like that when you see it. And I think it is an interesting point that the Big Sky, right, had uniquely among sort of the top leagues in the SCS, had its top teams drop out and say, you know, before the season, we're not going to play, right? And Weber State was really the only one that was left. Maybe Eastern Washington that you said was really in the, the top class of the league. And maybe that maybe that did affect it. I thought, you know, and concentrating on Idaho State, I think the level of play for Idaho State was above what a lot of people thought it was going to be, and that's just, you know, a factor of the team and a factor of a lot of their young guys coming coming along better. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, what I saw from the rest of the league was just, you know, maybe the urgency wasn't there. Um, you know, especially like you said, towards the end of the season. I think some of it too, and, and this is not just because this show's on in Montana. And of course you are listening to 1029 ESPN Missoula or maybe watching in statewide television, SWX Montana TV, maybe you're on the YouTube channel, whatever it is. But the majority of people that are listening to this show right now are in Montana or have ties to Montana. I'm not just saying this because of that audience, but I do think that the, the Grizz and the Cats not playing, not necessarily even because they're expected to be top I don't know, let's call it conservatively top 10 teams in the fall. I also think that there's an element of those teams are teams that no matter what they are, no matter how good they are or lack thereof, that everybody else gets up for. And so all of a sudden you have a rise level of play. Idaho State is going to be excited to play in Missoula. Idaho State fans are going to be excited when Montana State comes to Pocatello. I mean, it's a traditional rivalry. So I do think there was some, some of that missing element as well. But I do think it's a very interesting thing to analyze this from program by program because you talk to Bruce Barnum at Portland State or you talk to Bobby Houck at Montana. They both played a spring game against each other and Montana played an additional game as well. They both think they got it absolutely right for their program. And I think that they are right. I think they did get it right for their program. You look at Montana State with a brand-new head coach and Brent Vegan. I, th- I think it would have been silly for them to try to play any other opponents because you would have put a lot of stuff on film that would you wouldn't be able to keep a secret, which is one of the, the big advantages, especially early in a season under a new coaching staff. And you also had new coordinators both sides of the ball, so you probably wouldn't have been able to be ready to perform at a high level. But then you look at uh, teams like Idaho State. I think Idaho State comes out of this thing a winner as well because they were competitive. I know they only went 2-4, and four, but, I mean, that came with two two-point wins, two, two, two four-point losses, and a five-point loss. So they were right there at every game besides when they got shellacked by Weaver State in the first of two matchups against the Wildcats. Just break it down from an Idaho State perspective for us. Do you think that this was a win for the Bengals to play this spring season? Yeah, definitely. And I think if you look at a lot of the teams that that came in and did play this spring season, a lot of them were in sort of the same boat as Idaho State where they were, you know, targeting it as a developmental season, maybe seeing what they had. And that's, of course, the big thing for Idaho State this year. You know, Rob Fennessy would even talk about this, although he's saying, you know, week to week, you know, we want to compete, we want to win. For them, this was just you know, bringing a lot of new people into the lineup because they lost a lot of talent, a lot of starters from last year, like or 2019, I guess. 2019 was supposed to be sort of the crest of the wave for them with a, with a bunch of seniors, and they lost a bunch of those guys, so they're bringing new guys in the lineup. They're seeing just what combinations work, um, you know, what they could do with their new quarterback, right? Tyler Vanderwall transferring in from Wyoming. And I think from when you look at it from that perspective, a lot of the teams that played in the Big Sky Conference sort of had that perspective on the season. I mean, you know, Weaver State had a new quarterback, right? And, of course, it's not a developmental season for them. 
but just bringing him in, seeing what he can do in sort of, you know, maybe a lower-pressure situation like Southern Utah bringing in a new quarterback, UC Davis bringing in a new quarterback. For a lot of those teams, I think it's just a, a win-win, even if, you know, the level of play on the field isn't up to where you think it would be in the fall, right? And I think that was the, the main point of it for Idaho State. Andrew Houghton joining us. He is at the Idaho State Journal, covers Idaho State Athletics for the ISU Journal there in Pocatello, Idaho. And I think that that's an interesting factor too, Andrew, is that you got – this is this has, I don't think this has that much to do with, with the pandemic or anything. I think it's more just a reflection of the state of affairs in college football right now, but also I think it's just a complete circumstance. I think it's a complete coincidence that you had this overlap where when you look at the Big Sky Conference and the 13 teams that play football in the league, at the same time you had guys like Kevin Thompson transfer out, Sac State quarterback, who, by the way, will not return for his eighth college football season, even though he could have. He has a tryout with the Carolina Panthers, for those wondering. Uh, he's a guy that does have some Montana ties, considering he started his career once upon a time committing to Bobby Houck almost a decade ago at UNLV. But you got guys like Thompson that are they're moving on to the NFL. you got guys like Case Cookus who finally graduated, and they move on. But then you have a whole bunch of other schools like Idaho State that need help at quarterback. And it all boils down to then the only two guys that are really quote-unquote incumbents under center in the big sky are Eric Berrier at Eastern Washington and Davis Alexander at Portland State. Everybody else has a quarterback opening or a quarterback battle. Or like Idaho State, they brought in a quarterback transfer who's expected uh, to, to be the lead guy there. So tell us about Tyler Vanderwall, a transfer from Wyoming. I know he was a highly touted guy coming out of high school. And by all accounts, it seemed like he threw a couple. I mean, he threw some picks. He had 12 touchdowns, 10 picks, but it also seemed like he threw the ball pretty darn well, operated the offense pretty darn well. So, what was your just overall evaluation of Idaho State's new quarterback? Yeah, I think the most important thing that Tyler Vanderwall, you know, brought in when he came to Idaho State for the first time was just, I don't, I don't even want to say leadership, but just the feeling of, you know, being comfortable back there under center, right? And it's, you know, Matt Strzok had a lot of the same tools, right? Like Matt Strzok might even have a bigger arm than, than Tyler Vanderwall, right? But it just never felt like he was comfortable back there. Tyler Vanderwall came in, and he's a guy who's been, you know, Matt Strzok was sort of an underdog, right? The whole, the whole, his whole career, he was a backup even in junior college. He had some tools. But he'd never been the guy, and Tyler Vanderwall spent a lot of his life because you know he's six four, six five. He's he's blonde. He's from California. He looks the part, right? Being expected to be that guy, and I think it was just a different a different feel from him. I mean, from from what I saw on the field, yeah, he he forces some throws um, and and threw a lot of picks, but he was able to to bounce back from those in a way that that Matt Struck sort of wasn't in 2019. You know, you never got the sense that it ruffled him. And then, of course, coming back from injury in that season finale against Weber State where took a big hit, went out, didn't look. I mean, I you know, I was sitting up in the press box peering over at the sideline with my binoculars. You know, he gets up, he tries to throw a ball, and he winces and limps back to the bench. And I'm like, well, he's not coming back into the game. And two drives later, he's back into the game, led them back into the, to take the lead against Weber State late in that one, although they, they lost. I mean, I just think that, the intangibles everybody talks about with the quarterback, he showed those, and that was so huge for Idaho State, which didn't have those in 2019, and that cost them a lot. It's the hardest part of quarterbacks to evaluate, right? Andrew Houghton joining us on the Rangers Brothers RV phone line, talking all things Big Sky football, specifically through an Idaho State lens. He works at the Idaho State Journal, covering the Idaho State Bengals, and we're breaking down spring football here on Nuanez now. 
And, I mean, that's probably the hardest part of quarterback play to evaluate is the bravado, the the. Or do you have the the confidence or the swagger? Or more, I mean, there's no real word even to, to use for it. The presence to be the guy that commands. Because right. you're, you're right. I mean, when you watch when you watch the best of Matt Struck and the best of Tyler Vanderwall on film, they don't look that much different. But that's sort of where things went awry for Idaho State back in 2019. Was Struck was good until he lost his confidence, and then he couldn't hold on to the ball, and it just became this avalanche of turnovers. And it killed what was a promising start to a season. I mean, people look at the end of the year standings and they see Idaho State there with just two league wins, but they forget that they started two and one and they were competitive and they were a team that that maybe was a sleeper to to compete in the Big Sky and then it kind of all fell apart. So uh, if if Vanderwall has those intangibles, uh, that's a good thing. Uh, we'll get you out of here on this then, Andrew. What do you think was the biggest benefit for Idaho State? Because I mean, on the surface, this is a two and four spring season without a playoff berth in it. You had wins over Southern Utah and Idaho. You had losses to Eastern Washington, which was a thriller. That was the game you actually had to get back for when you were kicking it with me and Boise, yep. and it ended up a 46-42 loss for Idaho State. But I know Riley Corkin, voice of the Grizz, uh, did the play-by-play because he was filling in for Larry Weir from Eastern Washington because Eastern was playing in the Big Sky Championship game for hoops. But Riley came back really impressed with Idaho State as well. And so, I mean, what, just two-part question. What, what is sort of your overall evaluation of Idaho State? Where do they fit in the big sky coming into the fall? And what do you think was the biggest benefit of this spring season for the Bengals? Yeah, I think, like you said, it's just being in those close games and giving them the confidence to be in those close games, right? I mean, this was a team that not only, you know, didn't play well, especially at the end of the season in 2019, but just was, was blown out in that every one of these games was never in one of these games in 2019 and to have a young team coming in for the spring season. I mean, you got a bunch of freshmen to just have the expectation that, you know, we can be in a close game with Eastern Washington. We can be in a close game with UC Davis. This is where we expect to be, even though they don't win is such a huge, you know, step forward for the fall season because these kids have all been in that place, right? If your first close game in the fall season, it's not, you know, these kids first experience with, playing a close college football game, you know, needing to make a stop, needing to make a drive to win the game. I think it's a a super positive season overall for Idaho State just because of that. And you can take, you know, they were were three drives away, right, from being five and one, you know. And I think you have to be a little bit cautious about that because, and I've said this either in an article or on Twitter, right, like linear improvement doesn't always happen, right? You You were good. You were in a bunch of close games. You had a young team, you would expect to get better, right? You would expect to say, okay, we were in these close games with the young team. Next year in the fall, we're going to be older. We're going to be winning these close games. That doesn't always happen. I mean, there's a universe where Idaho State's looking back in two years and saying, oh, man, the closest that we were to a playoff berth with Tyler Vanderwall was in that 2021 spring season when we were, you know, two drives away basically from being 4-2 and two with wins over Eastern Washington and UC Davis and in the playoffs. But you know, all things equal, you do want to be in that space where you're you're young, you've had a good season, and you know you still have things to improve on, right? So I think it was overall really, really positive for Idaho State. I mean, I think the Bengals are kind of a sleeper for the fall because a lot of people will look at them and say, oh, two and four, they had a bunch of heartbreak losses, it's the same old Idaho State, right? Well, there's a universe where they're they're not, right? You know, I think I think just looking at them, they're they're a middle-of-the-road Big Sky team, which is good for them after 2019. And I think they have a chance to be a lot more than that, depending on how some of these young kids develop. They got the coaching staff, because I, I know that Rob Fennessy, he's still 
um, sort of making his way as a, a head coach, but they've done a good job in recruiting, especially on the lines. I think Mike Ferreter is an up-and-coming play caller, so I, I do. I agree. I think that, I mean, that's the thing to remember, right, is that it all went awry in, in a, such a rapid fashion, but that ISU team back in 2019 was actually really talented. They just had a lot of things they to were, go. Yeah, I mean, after they beat North Dakota, they were either top 25 or they were receiving votes or something, and they were yep. getting into those playoff projections. Yep. And then, yeah, I mean, they lost six in a row, and it, it just went downhill and never stopped. But that was not a bad 2019 team, and the challenge was to sort of replace all the talent that was graduating from that 2019 team. 2021 spring season was a good first sign that they've managed to do that, right? No question. Andrew Houghton, Idaho State Journal. You can follow him on Twitter or Idaho State Journal. Just Google that. You can find all his great writings on the sports page there as well. Good talking to you, my man. We'll talk to you soon and I'll probably catch up with you uh, before the summer's all said and done. But appreciate you making a stop by here on Nuanas Now. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Andrew Houghton, formerly SkylineSportsMT.com, currently Idaho State Journal. Our Big Sky Conference Beat Rider Series continues uh, later on this week. So check back with us, but appreciate Andrew swinging by the show. We're late, of course we are. That's what we do around here. Keep it right here at 1029 ESPN Missoula. SWX Montana Television got some state track bests from around the high school ranks right after this. After a long couple of months, it's finally feeling like we're getting back to business as usual. But it's not the usual at all. At Missoula's Wingate, we are, as always, committed to giving you a relaxing stay at a great value. But we're also balancing the new guidelines, like maximum pool occupancies and increased disinfecting, to protect your health with a never-ending pledge to make you feel at home when you're not. If you find yourself on the road in the Missoula area, please consider staying with us at Missoula's Wingate. this Tommy <laughs> alright hang on I've, I've, I completely forgot how to push the buttons there you go now you can hear me now I can hear you no more by 3LW 3LW yeah what a throwback one of the great songs Coulter oh dude if you play me group based R&B from I mean pretty much the 60s through the early 2000s but sp- particularly the 90s and early 2000s. I am, I'm all in. I, I am all in. Yep, same. All for one, boys to men. You can say that that makes me soft. No way, dude. Give me that. <laughs> give me that boy band group, but not the Backstreet Boys, not in sync. Give me the soulful R&B, like boys to men or next, all day. Gotta love it. Nuana is now 102.9 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television. Thanks so much for spending your Monday with us. Of course, I'm so late because I spent 10 minutes just loving that Tommy was back in the saddle as the producer of this show. So we don't have much time. we got to get out because we do have to get back in because Sean Rainey's going to swing by, give us some NFL draft stuff, and we also are going to go around the wide world of sports uh, about 5.30. So maybe we'll do some of that uh, there. I just want to highlight a couple, and we'll get back around to this. This is our Prep Extra presented by Farmer State Bank. Farmer State Bank is an awesome supporter of youth sports and youths in our community, period. 
They give away 10 $10,000 scholarships each and every year. So that's big time uh, helping the youth of our community get uh, higher education, which is as expensive as it's ever been today. So Farmer State Bank, very dedicated to the youth of our community and also dedicated to you. So give Farmer State Bank a chance to take care of your banking needs today. Just a couple to, to uh, highlight real quick from the best in straight track. I, I got to just go through this story real quick. Noah Borchard is an awesome athlete at Huntley Project, and he has some of the top times in the state in uh, the 100 meters. I think he has the top time in Class B so far this year in the 100 meters. Um, he is one of the best hurdlers in the state. I think he actually even has collegiate-level hurdle, hurdle times. Best hurdle time in the state at 14.71, which is the only under 15 seconds that we've seen so far uh, this spring in prep track. He's on a couple great relay teams. But this is even more awesome. He's one of the best high jumpers in the state of Montana. He's gone 6'10 already. The Montana state record all time, all class, is seven foot one and one half inches by Trey Tittinger uh, from Helena High, who was uh, a phenom, a breakout, a freshman and sophomore seven foot high jumper who then kind of fizzled. I don't really know what happened to Trey Tittinger. I'm not sure if he ever. Um, Reemerged or ever, ever really got back involved in track. And if not, that's a shame because he was a very talented young man. But regardless, Noah Borchard's the best high jumper that we've seen since then. Julius Mims at, at Building Skyview was very good as well. But Borchard, he went 6'10 back in April, uh, April 24th. And then this last week at the Midland Roundtable Top 10 meet over in Billings, he had an opportunity to surpassed that but he also wanted to break the meet record so he took a run at 611 and a half for his last couple jumps and ended up not getting it because he wanted to set the midland roundtable meet record he wanted to set the stadium record he wanted to set all the records uh, that he could and i got i love that because the guy already has the top high jump mark in the state of montana and then he wants to go out and he knows he can get there. He knows he can repeat this. So it's all about peaking at the right time. And state track and field is here in about a couple weeks. So it is all about peaking at the right time. And he realized, well, rather than peaking now or chasing a peak now, let's just go set some records. He ended up not getting it, but I love the cojones for him to try to do that. So uh, congratulations to Noah Barcher. We'll give you some of the other best track and field times uh, later on in the show and maybe throughout the rest of the week as well, because there has been some outstanding performances, including Claire Kovach from Sealy Swan High School, who is a national level discus thrower. Outstanding. So we will catch up with all of that as well, but we got to get out. Hour one in the books, hour two coming at you hot. Keep it right here. It's Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 